Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. And uh, Connor, appreciate you joining us. I wish we had a more entertaining game to talk about last night, but hey, I guess if the SEC is reigning supreme, it's good for the biz. Well, John, don't you feel stupid because guess who predicted 65 to 7? <laughs> um, yours truly. I'll obviously. It was I'll all bet. over it. <laughs> yes. No. Um, look, I, I thought TC was going to make that a game. And after that, that 60 yard completion of Darius Davis, you're kind of thinking, all right, we're going to get a fun back and forth battle. It's going to be a shootout, maybe a title game for the ages. No, no, that was. That was anything but that. And, you know, if, if your reaction to that is the selection committee messed up, like, all right, who else were they supposed to put in there? And they, they just put them in the playoffs. Like they, put, they said, TCU, you have to beat Michigan, and therefore you're going to play Georgia in the national championship. Like, that's just not the way that works. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that it wasn't a more competitive game. But a reminder that Georgia is uh, on top of the college football world, and as a result, so is the SEC. Georgia's defense is always given a lot of credit, not only for this game, but for the season. Would you say this was more about Georgia's defense or Georgia's offense? Because Georgia's offense was really impressive putting up those 65 points. Yeah, I think this is more about Georgia's offense. This is the best offense in Georgia history this year. And if you tell me the raw numbers from 2014 were better, I would push back on that and I'd say, well, take away the 56 non-offensive points that they got that year. And then also look at the the numbers against AP top 25 competition. I mean, Georgia averaged like what, like 43 or 44 points against AP top 25 teams this year. It was ridiculous. And, you know, if you're just of the impression that Stetson Bennett is, is a game manager, I, I would just push back on that in every possible way at this point. Guy gets offensive MVP of four different college football playoff games in repeats and becomes the first quarterback to do that in a decade. And because AJ McCarron was the last quarterback to do it, a lot of people just want to say, well, he's just AJ McCarron 2.0. And it's like, well, if you actually just are watching him play football and you're seeing some of these throws that he's making in Todd Munkin's scheme, you're reminded that his decision making as a 25 year old quarterback is just as good as it gets. And he has utilized these weapons in such an effective way. And I, I look at this Georgia offense and what it continuously did this year against that elite competition. And I tip my cap to Todd Munkin. I tip my cap to Stetson Bennett because this thing was special. And, and I think this was more about this Georgia offense rising to the occasion and taking on what had to be a different identity with this, with this year's group compared to last year's. Yeah, the thing about Georgia that is kind of funny is they kept talking about, ah, people doubted them, ah, going 7-5, and five, or, you know, whatever that nonsense is. But I, I will admit that there were some people that just because of college football and how difficult it is to win one title, much less two in a row, with how much they lost last year, it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be uh, a little bit more tough. But then, in some cases, you could even make the argument they were a better team this year. And then next year, they got a lot of these pieces coming back. Uh, I mean, what's really stopping Georgia from winning three and uh, three in a row, considering uh, how good that they've just been building this program and developing talent? Themselves. That's the only thing that can stop them at this point. Because that schedule, look, I'm not one to – to want to get too into the weeds with the schedules this early in the year, and especially in the transfer portal era. But, man, I mean, how can you look at that and not think Georgia's going 12-0 and and going to have essentially a playoff spot locked up by the time that they get to the SEC championship? Like, it is setting up really well for them. And, you know, this is so such a difficult thing to do. Like, I don't know if people realize 
that a team had not three-peated as a national champ since 1934, 35, 36 Minnesota. All right, like this is this is rare error that we're talking about. If you think about the two teams in the 21st century that tried to accomplish that feat, go back to 2013 Alabama. How did their repeat bid come up short? Or not their repeat bid, but their three-peat bid came up short because of kick six. USD 2005. How did that happen? What what prevented them from being able to repeat? Vince Young having a national championship game for the ages. These things are so difficult to accomplish because any little thing can trip you up. And there might be that thing that trips up Georgia and they, they aren't able to win three in a row. Man, this is just setting up so unbelievably well after a year in which they lose 15 players to the NFL draft and just go 15-0. and 0. Like, it's just no big deal. Uh, we were doubting that because that's not normal. And Georgia made it look incredibly easy. What is it about Stetson Bennett? What is it that you see that's more than a game manager? Because the thought is that you can plug any quarterback in there with the talent that's around the quarterback, nope. uh, but but you see more than a game manager. So what is it that you see? Yeah, there's, there's just so much more to it than that. It's the decision-making. and You know, people are going to criticize him because he doesn't have the physical attributes that he's not going to necessarily impress you with breakaway speed and, He's not going to wow you with his arm strength, especially as we talk about that with all these guys in the NFL Combine. Uh, but you see the throws that he makes that are, in my opinion, next-level throws. He had some some just rifles to Brock Bowers last night where you're reminded, like, this guy's got some muscle on his fastball. You get here by accident. And the decision-making is the biggest thing. I mean, it's one thing if you are able to run in a touchdown in which your offensive coordinator just dials, just dials up the perfect play for you and you have two lead blockers who don't have anybody to block, right? That play happened last night. But there are still so many plays that Todd Munkin really puts a lot of trust in Stetson Bennett to make these key decisions. And in winning time, there's just not a guarantee that you're going to have that kind of poise. And he has that, man. Like, in these big-time games, he's been unbelievable, Played seven teams who are ranked in the AP Top 25 this year. In six of those games, he had a quarterback rating of 180 or better. That's not managing the game. That's winning the game. And, and to me, I, I just give all the credit in the world to Stetson because he's proved so many people, myself included, who was down on him coming into this year and was skeptical that he'd be able to do anything quite like last year. He's proven so many of us wrong, and I think he's just going to continue to do that. And speaking uh, again on Stetson Bennett, uh, I thought that there was a, a pretty fascinating little stat there. Uh, about uh, the fact that you know he's not because he's not an all-american he's not eligible for the college football hall of fame which is just so interesting i didn't know that was a thing but uh like his numbers are there i know that he's an older guy he's won two straight national championships so just as far as like sec quarterbacks especially in the uh, bcs playoff era i mean where is he going to end up ranking among some of the all-time great sec ones yeah, he's he's not on that level of of a Joe Burrow, in my opinion, just because that was that was so iconic what LSU did in 2019, and I, I would still, in a nutshell, probably take Bryce Young over him, just because I'm I'm so unbelievably high on Bryce Young. But man, in the playoff era, there's just not really that many that you could definitively say this guy is better. Even Tua, that's a difficult conversation. Like. I think I would probably give Stetson the nod over Tua as a college quarterback, as you know, saying that he's better, and that's that's not something I would have said, you know, a few weeks ago. But to see the way that he just responds in these games, 
he's one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the history of the sport. Like that, that's undeniable to me. Like you, you can't take away what he's done in these moments. And the fact that even last year in the national championship, a game in which he wasn't his best, he still has a fourth quarter in which he's perfect. And he pulls off a comeback to beat a Nick Saban defense and deliver Georgia's first national championship since 1980. I mean, this guy is somebody that we're going to be talking about for decades. I, I truly believe that. I would put him, you know, on that short list of great SEC quarterbacks of the playoff era. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he was better than Cam Newton or, or Tim Tebow if we want to get into the BCS era. But, yeah, he, he absolutely deserves to have his place in college football history. And even though he wasn't an All-American, I think that there's got to be some sort of way in which this guy is honored at the College Football Hall of Fame. Can't tell the story of college football in the playoff era without telling the story of Stetson Bennett. Something else that's criticized about Stetson Bennett is his age. He's 25 years old, but it almost seems to be kind of a trend that is going on in college football because of some of these players playing more years and getting more eligibility. Yeah, there's a lot of them right now in college football. I mean, Hendon Hooker's going to turn, I think he turns 25 like this week. We've got all these different guys, you know, Bo Nix is running it back for year five as a starter. I'm pretty sure Sam Hartman's got grandkids and he's playing college football next year. Like this is just the way that college football has worked out with this COVID year of eligibility that so many guys have been able to take advantage of. And it's also the new red shirt rule too. That I think that's, that's definitely a part of this too, with the four game threshold. I think a lot of guys have taken advantage of that. And so what, like there's not, Georgia didn't bend the rules to, to get set in some like weird medical red shirt at some point along the way. Like, you know, he's within the guidelines and everything that he has done reminds you that there are also great benefits of having somebody in their mid twenties as your starting quarterback. It's just nothing rattles him. Like he, he's just so calm in these moments when everybody, you know, in a Georgia, you know, in a Georgia uniform or you know, rooting for Georgia is probably kind of freaking out and going, man, what, what, what's going to happen? And Stetson is just the one that's kind of the, the calming presence, the, the voice of reason that this program has needed. And that's why they've been able to get over the hump. Yeah, I think it's funny uh, when you talk about old quarterbacks, uh, something that uh, people forget is that uh, Josh Allen is only a year and four months older than Stetson Bennett. You know, so when you start putting that's in the – Yeah, I mean, it's just when you start putting in that perspective. Stetson Bennett's the same age as Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like, like when you put it in that way, I think that's what's really shocking to people. But, uh, I mean, I think he was definitely somebody that'll say it's all worth it for him coming back. But now Georgia's got to move forward, and I know uh, – other college football teams are going to move forward. So everyone's doing their really early stuff as far as, you know, rankings and everything, Connor. But as far as where you're at right now, you're way too early ranking, prediction, whatever you want to call it. Uh, kind of what uh, what is your forecast for going into next season? Is there a team you feel like besides Georgia that uh, you could see winning it all? Or are there other teams that you'd like to see in the mix? So I have a, a way too early top 25 that's coming out on Sunday. I've already put my, my top 25 together. I've got to write the whole thing, though. Um, but I do think Georgia is, uh, without a doubt, preseason number one. I mean, with, with all that they lost last year to come back and win a national championship, it's like I, you can't sit here and tell me, oh, yeah, they lose this piece, they lose this piece, therefore they're not preseason number one. No, they, they've earned that. The team has won two consecutive national titles. But I, I put Bama, too, to start, which – I, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I, I can't put Ohio State or, or Michigan in a spot like that because those two teams haven't beat an SEC team on that stage since 2014. I mean, think about that. Why are we of the impression that those teams are, you know, like Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, like those teams had deserved to start off ahead of an Alabama, ahead of a Georgia, when 
We just haven't seen him do it on that stage. But I think that, you know, Alabama still has the best non-Georgia chance to win a national championship. Who knows if Michigan's even going to have a head coach by the end of this week. And Ohio State, I mean, how many times do we have to see Ryan Day come up just short in these key moments to make us think, ah, it might be a little bit of, of, of him and kind of some of his late-game late, late game decision-making that, that leads us to, to believe that Ohio State is not quite on that level. So, yeah, that's the, the, the boring answer. But obviously this is going to be Georgia's national championship to lose. And in talking about a lot, a lot about Stetson Bennett, where does Georgia go as far as replacing him now? We saw that Carson Beck play in the game last night. Is he the next great to suit up at Georgia at quarterback? Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be Carson Beck. We should never be surprised with Kirby. I mean, he's done some pretty atypical things with, with his starting quarterback situation, even the JT Daniels, Jamie Newman thing after Jake Fromm you know, went to the NFL early and the way that that all played out, which is kind of bizarre. But um, I, I would expect Carson Beck is going to be the guy. And what people, you know, we're, as we're talking about quarterback ages, you might forget he's the same age as Bryce Young. I mean, this is somebody who's going to be entering year four in the Todd Munkin offense. He's looked pretty good in limited reps this year and have actually given him a chance to throw. He had 32 passing attempts coming into last night, despite the fact that he only had 70, 72 snaps played this year. So, there's the expectation that he's going to be the guy. And then, oh, by the way, he's got two five-stars behind him. And Brock Vandegrift, a guy Georgia fans are really excited about. And then Gunnar Stockton just finished his true freshman year. So you've got all those guys. And then what do they do in the portal as well? Like, will, would Kirby pull the trigger on anybody? I don't think he will just because you've got three blue-chip guys right there. But they're in a really favorable position, especially with how loaded they are as the pass catchers, guys. Like, they have the best group of pass catchers in the SEC coming back. And it's not even close. Like, Whoever gets that starting job is going to be in such a favorable spot, but obviously filling the, the massive shoes of Stetson Bennett is not a given. So since we're talking about quarterbacks, I'm just curious, who's your number one quarterback in the SEC next year? Because uh, there's some guys that are getting replaced. There's guys that are going to be transferring in. There's guys that are uh, going to be hanging around. So with uh, what you look at in the SEC, just kind of where are you looking at as far as quarterback rankings go? John, I, I know that you know the answer to this. You just want me to say it, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I will say this every <laughs> single time I come on the show. K.J. Jefferson's my number one quarterback in the SEC. And look, even though I love Devin Leary, I have Devin Leary at number two. I mean, that's how high I am on the former NC State and new Kentucky quarterback. K.J. is just the guy who's shown it in the SEC. And, and to me, that matters so much. And I thought he really progressed this year, even though he had the two less games and put up really similar numbers. I just thought that he had more patience in the passing game, and that was such a key step in the post-Traylon Burks era. So KJ is going to be my guy. He's my ride or die, my number one. It would be really hard for him not to have that spot. I kind of thought for a minute, oh, Sam Hartman transfers into the SEC. Could that be interesting? But no, I, I think something really drastic would have to happen for me not to have KJ as that number one quarterback returning to the SEC. Now that college football is over and we hit the offseason, what's on your radar as far as what's coming up with college football to be discussed? I don't know, a little vacation? No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, that's a good <laughs> start. a lot, right? Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, I'm really interested to see if we get some movement with the early signing period coming to an end. Um, there, there seems to be some momentum. If you saw the comments from Greg Stenke about that, I believe it was, it was a story in The Athletic talking about how much these new coaches have really been hampered by that. And I would actually support us going back to the original signing day of February 
and, and understanding kind of the way that this has impacted the sport. It's really sped up the coaching carousel in a way that I, I don't think a lot of people anticipated. And it's even impacted assistance, which has in turn impacted bowl games, transfer portal, all these different things. And I'm not saying that you would totally take that element away because, you know, boosters are eager and they want to move on, of course. But I think moving that early signing period back is kind of the next major thing that we'll see happen in the sport of college football. And, you know, I'd be, I'd definitely be in favor of seeing something like that. Well, Connor, before we let you get out of here, man, I know that, that it's sad that college football has officially ended, and I know people are going to be excited about where things go in the next season. And since we mainly cover Arkansas in this uh, particular state, just what are your thoughts on the current state of Arkansas, where they've lost a lot of players out of the portal, but they've gained a few, they've hired some coaches. Just kind of what do you think about everything going on with the Razorbacks right now? Uh, weird, weird. Um you know, the, the portal losses, uh, they were always going to sting. I still maintain the belief. I, I think that Sam Pittman is going to be really active in the portal, and I think we'll look up in spring and be like, oh, they got this guy, they got this guy, they got this guy. So I, I would have a little bit of patience on that, even though it's tough to stomach some of these announcements. I know Jalen Catalan won yesterday to Texas. That kind of stings because of the player that many thought he was going to be but just hasn't been able to stay on the field these last two years. But it is a bit weird, and it's a bit weird because of the way that things finished with a six-win regular season. I think you're feeling confident that you have an offensive identity. I guess it's good news that Kendall Bryles is coming back and he's not going to Mississippi State, but is he going to maximize the talent? And then all the questions that we have on the defensive side of the ball, I think, are, are worth asking. So it's, it's just kind of different. It's not ultimate good vibes like it was going into last year's offseason, and I think we just have a lot more questions. But – you know what? It's good to have a head coach who you feel confident in. And I think as long as you're an Arkansas fan, you're, you're holding out hope that Sam Pittman's going to make those right decisions. And, you know, a lot of programs don't have a lot of faith that their head coach is capable of doing that. So I think that's the biggest positive for Arkansas moving forward. Well, Connor, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff and great content throughout the college football season. I know that uh, you're going to be taking a little bit of a rest, but, hey, college football is 24-7, 365 in these areas. So, But we appreciate it, man. Have, uh, have an enjoyable rest of your January, and I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.